Welcome back to the Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Ken Woody. We're going to uh, rewind Oregon's 41-38 loss at Oregon State and then look ahead to Saturday's game at Cal. Ken, the Ducks had not lost since last November at Arizona State, so it had been a while. Um, but this is, uh, I wouldn't say shocking if you've been playing, paying co- close attention to how the defense played against backup quarterbacks, freshman quarterback, and, and running backs, but still disappointing, I guess, if you're an Oregon fan, anytime you lose to the Beavers, especially when you had designs on 7-0 and and maybe some reaching some big goals. Well, Ryan, uh, it was disappointing, and I mean, uh, I personally, I had a little bit of feeling that something like this could happen because Oregon State is vastly improved under Jonathan Smith, and you know he's the kind of guy that um, there aren't many times that his teams are not ready to play at least psychologically. You know they may go out and uh, not execute some things, but they play hard, and uh, I mean that's really something that uh, shows up with his Jonathan Smith's uh, team. So. Um, and I think that uh, Oregon guys, uh, nobody's on that group has lost to Oregon State, so maybe the game uh, is not really – I'm sure it's a lot different in their heads now than it was before they played. I've always believed that you never understand what that game means, particularly if you're from out of state, until you lose one. And once you lose one, then, hey, that's – now you, you better buckle down and, and you don't – we should never see a time when a team, when an Oregon Duck team plays Oregon State and it looks like they don't care that much. And a lot of people have said that just by watching them. Maybe they, maybe they did care, but their play did not demonstrate that. They have a clear talent advantage um, over Oregon State, but perhaps a lot of youth and so on, uh, in, not quite mature as, a, as the team last year. And, you know, defensively, when you look at the four playmakers that they lost, Troy Dye, uh, Brady Breeze, Javon Holland, and um, Graham, those guys made big plays. They were around the ball. You look at the Oregon defense against Oregon State, and I think Sewell was around the ball some. Thibodeau. Uh, got off to kind of a slow start, but he he was pretty active and doing the things that you expect him to do. The, those two guys made big plays. Other than that, you're looking for a key tackle. Uh, uh, the the pass coverage is was so soft that um, I think you and I might have been able to get a a hook or a, a sideline route to be open the way they were playing, but. That's another thing about watching it on television is you cannot see the back end of the secondary. So um, I would, I guess I should be a little more cautious in my evaluation of uh, defensive secondary play because you can't see them. But I just thought there were a lot of times last year an inside running play, and guess who was there? Number 25, Brady Breeze. Now, he may not have made the tackle, but he sure was going to make the tackle if he needed. And you just don't see a lot of the secondary guys in around the play. And so that's one thing viewers should look for. When the you know, Ducks are on defense, look who's around uh, the play and looking like they want to be part of it rather than just 
coming up and observing it? Well, I know that Mario Cristobal was upset after the game. I, I mean, it was just on Zoom, but he seemed more, uh, I guess, sure with his answers and just his demeanor was uh, not happy, more so even than I saw after the Auburn game or, or the Stanford game that they blew at home or even uh, the Arizona State game last year. I mean, he definitely felt the rivalry. I know uh, he has a lot of respect for Jonathan Smith and that staff, and now you see why. The, his staff was outcoached by Jonathan Smith and company because uh, Oregon still has more talent despite those losses that you mentioned, um, which brings me to their defensive line. I mean, Jordan Scott, Austin Fowlu, Kayvon Thibodeau, they've all played a lot of football. That was supposed to be the strength of the defense, but you're not seeing any defensive tackles getting into the backfield and, and making plays. And, you know, Oregon's 104th right now nationally. Obviously, they have a shorter uh, sample than a lot of teams, but they're 104th nationally in rushing yards allowed and total yards allowed. So what's going on with this defense up front? Well, they're, get, they're getting beat up front, and uh, part of it is they're not getting off blocks. One thing, uh, when I coached at Washington State, Jim Mahalachek was a lineman, and he's now the line coach at Oregon State. And I, I watched the game uh, for the third time the other night, and to watch Oregon State's offensive line, it looked like Oregon's used to. They came off the ball. Uh, they were outweighed uh, in some cases, but they really played together as a, a front-line unit and were very impressive. And you, know, you can see the Duck defensive linemen were trying, but they can't, they can't get off blocks. Now, you know, there's a lot of holding, and everybody holds, but you, you can't let guys hold you. And that's, that's, that's the thing I see. Uh, Jordan Scott is, un, in my opinion, a little bit heavy uh, if you look at his, uh, his body. So I, I think that's, that's impacted his play. And, uh, you know, they just – and they don't – and by, by not getting off blocks, they're not protecting the uh, – the linebackers behind them. And sometimes no matter who's in there, you see that their initial read is kind of hesitant. And that's understandable given the fact that you're a freshman and you didn't get spring football where you get a lot of these things ingrained into your response. But, uh, you know, when Troy Dye was in there, the ball snapped, boom, he's off. And going where he needs to be. Not he wasn't guessing where the ball was going. He knew where the ball was going, and that's why he led the team in tackles for four straight years. That's a hard guy to replace. Um, and you know this one thing about talent. Everyone goes gaga over how he's four star, five star. I would just remind everyone that all those stars were given to him for high school football. It has nothing to do. with with their college careers. So they come into college and nobody cares how many stars they have and they got to go from there. So um, star-wise, they should be undefeated. But those stars uh, are sitting up in the stands right now because you got them in, the, in your high school years. And so it takes some while. Uh, three-star guys, which Oregon State has uh, had a lot of, 
over the years who have really turned into great players. Those guys are, are young players who may still have growth to develop, and so that's not going to happen necessarily in high school. Uh, they may also um, uh, be a little more intense about proving themselves. So, uh, you know, a, a team like Oregon has got to, the, the, those four and five star guys have got to deal with, uh, that, that doesn't mean anything uh, on this play, on this day. I've got to, I've got to get out there and compete. And I think that was, that was a, just the disappointing thing of that game is that um, both sides of the ball at times during the game uh, didn't look like they were competing very well. Well, I don't know how many stars Jamar Jefferson had coming out of high school, but he's clearly uh, was the best player on the field the other night. And I think he's probably the PAC 12 offensive, most valuable player this year. I think that's, pretty safe bet at this point um Andy Avalos what does he do can you fix tackling and fix you know assignment errors and stuff on the fly when you only have two games left and you seems like you just got started or or what what can Andy do he's I know it it doesn't matter until Saturday but he said Sunday night was the best practice they've had and they've focused on tackling whatever time they have to practice they're going to focus on tackling and and it's his job to to give the defense a clear picture of what he wants in the game plan early in the week and just you know repeat that over and over again so they're ready um so he took blame but what can he realistically do with uh such a short time before the season's over well um i think they probably ought to look at their fundamentals of where they're breaking down. As I mentioned, defensive linemen not getting off blocks. Uh, hey, you, the Beaver guys were getting off blocks. So um, a coach has some control over the fundamental and technique things that are missing. But to me, defense is something that uh, you'd like to play angry. And so let's get angry. Not stupid, not reckless, but angry. And um, it's like on that the goal line uh, stand there. You all of a sudden you saw guys playing with much more intense on the line. They got to play like that in the first quarter because the game is on the line. The one advantage, let's just say Alabama, Oregon would love to be like Alabama. Alabama has got a ton of four and five. Uh, star guys, but they, they and they compete against each other. So they got enough of them that it's very competitive. But Nick Saban, if you've ever seen his intensity on the sidelines, he coaches uh, defensive backs. Hey, guess what? They always have great defensive backs, and they they play with intensity, and he coaches with intensity. So I know that Mario. Uh, very intense. He speaks it, he shows it, but maybe some a little bit more ought to be talked about getting that better inculcated in his ball players. Well, offensively, normally you put 38 points on the board, you should win, but at the same time, they didn't really help the defense when the defense needed help on that last series. They had a chance to get a first down, maybe two first downs into the game without the defense getting exposed at the end there. They didn't do it. 
they had a run that they thought was going to be a big hitter on first down, got the safety, blew that up, and then, you know, a little bit conservative there. What do you make of Joe Moorhead's um, scheme so far? Now, he's been saying that, you know, they're leading the Pac-12 in scoring and yards, and they're only getting about 60 plays a game, and, and they had hoped to get over 80 plays a game. So once they do that, you know, they'll use even more of these skill guys that have been missing and, and spread the ball around even more. Uh, but overall, your thoughts, I think, I think Tyler Shuck has played well, but it seems like once a game he has a bad turnover that, that his defense can't bail him out of. Um, just your thoughts on, on Oregon's offense right now. Well, you're right on the defense not being able to uh, bail the offense out. And really, the offense uh, has a lot more advantage in experienced players, even though the offensive linemen have not, you know, started a lot of games, they still have experience. And um, I, I just think that uh, if I was uh, Joe Moorhead, I'd look at my, the plays that were called the first two drives and uh, ask the question of, it seemed like, well, it seemed like to me they got away from that and they threw the ball deep once uh, to Devin Williams, who's 60-yard touchdown. And there was one other pass, I think, that was over 20 yards. It was incomplete down the sideline. But I'm, I'm saying, I'm seeing Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, Devin Williams, that, okay, wh- why aren't they throwing deep more? You can't tell me that Oregon State has an all-conference secondary. Why, where's the deep post? Uh, I think sometimes that the Ducks uh, last uh, Saturday depended on the same formation a lot on offense, uh, a trip set. And uh, they really, in the old days, they'd get a quick screen and have some success over there. But I don't see a lot of success out of that formation. And it just seems like they their advantage over Oregon State was their wide receivers. And Oregon State uh, got – well, they didn't throw it a lot deep, but they had some success deep. And uh, that's, that's something I think you need to do. Uh, now, the offensive line, uh, as the game wore on, their protection broke down a little bit and Shuff started taking some uh, heat. But I didn't see a lot of bootlegs. We see play action where he's actually moving into the teeth of the uh, offense where he's going to flip it to Camp Moyer and so on. And I'll tell you one thing. Number 48 uh, missed several blocks that caused problems for his quarterback. And it reminded me of last year's uh, Civil War. That's when it was the Civil War. Um, Herbert goes back to pass, and he gets sacked. And the guy who sacked him was Camp Moore's guy. He'd come in motion. He ran right past him. And the same thing happened Saturday one time. And I'm going, wow, the same same deal, running past the guy, and the guy that he's supposed to block makes hits the quarterback. So um, they have it within themselves to play better. I think that uh, as the offense has got to look at and go, you know, we have to open it up. That doesn't mean reckless. It means open it up. That, hey, uh, Devin Williams, I'd throw it to him all the time. That They're either going to – He's either going to catch it for a big gain or they're going to have to pass interfere with him and get into formations that allow guys like him to be one-on-one or at least playing 
against a corner with a safety more in the middle of the field. Uh, you can do things like that. So that's what I'd do. Yeah, it definitely seemed from the press box that Tyler was taking a beating and probably needed that extra day that they had, you know, playing on a Friday night to get ready for this week. Uh, it'll be interesting because all those guys you mentioned, uh, Red and Johnson and particularly, uh, you know, Williams have played well. But now you're going to be adding Micah Pittman back in. Mario said uh, Cam McCormick and Spencer Webb have been, you know, are on the verge of playing. So they're going to have even more weapons now as they enter this Cal game. Uh, let's talk about the Bears a little bit. I think everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for Cal during the pandemic. Uh, they had their big opener against Washington canceled due to COVID issues. They had to play UCLA on 43 hours notice on the road. You know, they lost a, a really tough game at Oregon State. And then last week they lose to Stanford on a uh, blocked extra point that would have tied the game in the final minute of regulation. Wow. Uh, it's just been a tough go for Cal this year. They were supposed to finish second in the North behind Oregon. And now they have to face a Ducks team that is angry and coming off a loss. So I don't think there'll be a trap set. How do you kind of see this game Saturday late afternoon in Berkeley going? Well, I feel for the bears because as I understand it, they, uh, the team was limited during preseason and practice by a Berkeley, the city of Berkeley uh, uh, prohibition of uh, too many players practicing against each other. And so they're forced to go against dummies instead of, and, and frankly, that's the way they looked in their first game. They, they, they look terrible. Their quarterback, Garbers, who I, you know, coming out of last year, I thought he was super. And yeah. he, he's, he has not been very good. He's gotten a little bit better each game, as the whole team has. But they are still uh, at, a, at a stage where uh, they should be coming out of fall ball, not even having played a game yet, given, you know, how they look. So I, I think they're dangerous. And well, and the other thing is, uh, the Bears have broken down in special teams. They had a field goal blocked in the Stanford game, also. So you'd think that if it came down to an extra point after having one blocked, that you would. Nope, they didn't. They and and that's what happens when you haven't had a lot of practice, and maybe <coughs> maybe the wrong guy is in there. So, <coughs> excuse me. The uh, I think they they got a good running back in Brown. Uh, the quarterback Garbers it, it has been very good, uh, not this year yet. Um, the, but the year is not over, and they they may be licking their chops at a chance to go against Oregon's defense. So, um, any time on the road, uh, it's tough. Last year, the Ducks outside of the ASU game always came prepared and did well. Um, but, you know, that ASU game, they had the same kind of letdown uh, as they did against Oregon State. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that the Ducks, you know, sucked it up. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, they're moving. And um, it was – but it was too late. You got to – probably the thing for the Ducks is we've got to win the, the first quarter. Uh, if it's tied, um, it, it, the game is not where we want it and need it to be. We need to be ahead at halftime. Um, and just like uh, 
the coach at the Seahawks, uh, the other day I saw a video of him in the locker room after a game, and he, he yelled to the team, do you win the game in the first quarter? And they all yelled, no. Do you win the game in the second quarter? No. Do you win the game in the third quarter? No. Do you win the game in the fourth quarter? And everyone went, yes, yes. And they jumping up and down. And so, uh, you know, that's Pete Carroll's uh, way of getting to his team. Now, the, the Ducks are in a little different deal. I just mentioned they need to try to win the first quarter. But a team that you're better than, do not give them an idea they can play with you. And, and that, was, that was a bad thing for Oregon. At halftime, the Oregon State guys go in going, hey, these guys aren't so tough. So uh, I'd say the game plan should be to make those Bears – when they wobble off the field at halftime are going, whoa, these guys, they're really good. Show that you're good. To your point, Oregon State obviously uh, dominated the fourth quarter, and that was the difference in the game. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's kind of strength on strength or weakness on weakness this week when you look at – and it's pretty evenly matched. uh, Cal's offensive stats are – about as bad as Oregon's defensive stats. Both games have struggled kicking the ball. And I think Oregon's offense, you know, even though Cal and Wilcox are a uh, defensive-minded operation, I think Oregon's offense is clearly the best unit in this matchup. So I would expect Oregon to find a way to score enough points to beat Cal and then set up a really big game against Washington to finish this six-game regular season. Uh, do you think the Ducks bounce back this week? Um, I think they will, but you just made me think. You know, you talked about what Andy Avalos could do. This happened last year that the Duck uh, secondary was um, giving up some plays, and by at some point during the season towards the end, all of a sudden the, the corners were – playing closer. They were, uh, they were pressing them more. And all of a sudden, everything was better. And I suspect the same thing might be going on now. I, I, I just think I'm saying you, you, you shouldn't be – now, if you're playing SC, it might be a little different. But you're playing Oregon State. You're playing Cal. Let those corners get up there and compete and make plays on the ball. And, you know, no, no turnovers – what in three out of four games, no turnovers. What do hey put them up closer where they can force some turnovers. And I think the defensive line. Uh, I was noticing other teams since last week when I mentioned the Ducks' uh, defensive line as a yard off the ball. I'm seeing other a lot of other teams and teams that are good pass rushers, particularly in the pros. They're they're right up their nose is up on the line of scrimmage. So I don't know. Why you know if you get a chance to ask them what ask them why they why they do it they might they might have a good reason uh, I don't know but yeah they they Mario was asked about that he's not going to give you the reason he said sometimes it's alignment sometimes it's a mistake there's a a reason why they're off the ball sometimes but sometimes maybe they shouldn't be and are so all right well we'll come back and talk about it next week uh, thanks for your time Ken and have a great weekend. Thanks, uh, Ryan. Always a pleasure to work with you. Okay.